0: Hey,
1: thanks for checking out this week's message. We hope you're blessed by the Word of God. For more information on River of Life, you can check out our website, rolmt.com, or download our app. Just search R-O-L-M-T in your app store. Thanks.
0: Well, good evening, River of Life. I'm so glad that you're at church with us tonight, and we're excited. Uh, We had a meeting this this morning uh, with... Um, the staff here and then also the, the staff in Star Valley. We got to let the, the brake liners go, don't we? Yeah. Thank you for waving right in the middle of the room so I can see you. Brake liners, you are dismissed at this time, grade four, five, and six. You can make your way to the back of the auditorium, through the lobby, up the stairs. And Ms. Jordan has something great planned for you. But I wanted to give you a little bit of an update. We, uh, our campus in Star Valley, Wyoming, is, is doing great. But they are, it looks like they're going to be moving into a building here in the next couple of months. And so, uh, yeah, we are excited about that. And just listening to their heart. I just, I wanted to say it to you because I want you to remember, we pray for them obviously when, we, when we're when we here together, but be praying for them because where God is placing them is, is in the middle of um, a place that is very highly Mormon. And um, they are believing that God's strategically placing them there. And that they're going, to, they're going to make a difference in that community. And so I just want you, we just need to be praying because we also believe that there's going to be a lot of spiritual warfare that's going to take place as they uh, begin to launch that campus in a new building. So we're really excited about that. I just wanted to mention that to you to kind of keep you up to date with what's going on. Well, if you've been with us over the last few weekends, you know that we're in a series that we've called Extreme Home Makeover. We've talked about... Um, you got to fight for your family and then God will fight for you as we read that in Nehemiah. We, we talked about uh, that you're to guard this man and we talked about that the idea of us, we got to make sure that we're in a place where we are safe and secure in who we are and in, in who God says that we are so that we can lead our families well. Um, Pastor Seth brought a great message a few weeks back um, that was geared a little bit more towards the women, but it was still an amazing message. And the thing about this series, I've had people come up to me even last weekend I talked about I talked about marriage and I had I had probably more single people come up to me afterwards and say, "You know what God said to me in that middle of that message?" and it was just this thing that wasn't even what we were necessarily aiming at, but I told you at the beginning of this that when we get into God's word, it does not return void. So so even tonight as we talk a little bit about raising our children, you may sit in the room and say, oh, my children are already raised, or whatever it is with you right now, but can I say, if you'll listen, if you'll just say, God, what is it that you have for me today, he will speak to you, because he is faithful, and so let's not, let's not uh, write anything off, because maybe you don't feel like this is necessarily geared at you, because God's word is always geared at you. So we're going to look at John chapter 6, verse 5. It says this, Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip. He already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that for this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. Let's pray. God, in the next few moments, as we spend some time in your word, I pray, Father, that you'll speak to us directly. That, God, wherever we are, whatever, whatever our life situation looks like... God, it doesn't matter because your word is truth, and it, and, it, and it penetrates, and it changes, and it fixes, and it speaks, and it's alive, and we thank you for that, Father. So, God, I just pray that, Lord, we would open our hearts to hear what you have for us. And, Lord, I pray for the men and women on the North Slope of Alaska, and, God, for those who will be watching in Star Valley. And, God, we thank you for what you're doing there. And, Lord, we just pray blessing over that campus. And, God, we pray for our campus in Malawi that, Lord Jesus, you'd continue to grow that. And, Lord, the dreams that they have are so big and so exciting. And, Lord, we just are excited that you've allowed us to partner with your plan. And so, Father God, tonight just be with us. I pray that you'd set aside all distractions and that we would hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this is a story that if if you've spent any amount of time in the Word, if you've been in Sunday school as a kid, if you've been in church, you probably have heard this story before. But I want to look at it a little bit different today as we talk about raising our children, because this story takes place, and Jesus says, hey, listen, we need to feed all these people. And so he looks out, and he sees a young boy who's got his lunch basket. Now, this is not at all what I'm sure it looked like, but this was as good as I could do, because, you know, we spend a lot of time and effort and, and money on our sermon illustrations at this church. Um, but he has a basket, and it's got some bread and some fish in it, and, and we see the miracle unfold. The miracle is that Jesus takes this little, and he, and he begins to separate it, and he begins to feed this, this multitude. The men were 5,000, which means there's probably at least 15,000 people that were there that day. What a miracle. That's incredible. But let's rewind a little bit, and let's look at this for just a second. Because in order for that miracle to take place, mom had to pack a lunch mom had to pack the lunch for this little boy she had to say i care enough about you that i'm going to put some stuff in a basket and i want you to take it with you and i want you to go to jesus the miracle was dependent on mom packing the lunch and sending her child to jesus if either of those things didn't happen the miracle wouldn't have happened Right? The boy had to take the lunch and he had to go to Jesus. And because mom cared enough to pack the lunch, it set Jesus up for a miracle. See, if we pack them a lunch with what they need and point them to Jesus, he'll do the miracle. Imagine if the mom would have been too busy that day to pack the lunch. Imagine if the mom would have said, no, you can't go and see Jesus because you got hockey practice today. (laughs) See, the miracle can't happen unless mom gives him what she can and sends him to Jesus. Both things had to happen. So, this mom says, Listen, I care about you. So, I'm going to put things in here that I know that you're going to need. And because I care about you, I'm going to make sure that you have everything that you need. And then I'm going to send you to Jesus. If you do those two things, then you can send your child to public school and you can pray over them and they'll be safe. They'll be safe from the schemes of the enemy. When peer pressure comes, false teachings may happen, but your child will be able to stand because mama and daddy packed a lunch. I heard a story about a young man who had grown up in a Christian home and he moved away to go to university. And he got to university and it was, it was the orientation and so he sat in his new history class and the history teacher got up and he said, he said, I want to speak to many of you in the room because many of you have been taught history that is not true. And so while you, while you sit in this room, you're going to hear the truth about the history of our country. You're going to hear the truth about the history of Europe and, and all those things. And some of you sit in this room today, and you've been taught that the Bible is historical. And I'm going to tell you right now that that is not true. And so we're going to, I'm going to disprove. I'm going to... I'm going to I'm going to start with that premise that, that the Bible is a good book, but it's not, it's not historically accurate. And this young man was, was torn by what this professor said, so he raised his hand and he said, Professor, I believe the Bible to be true. He said, I believe that it's historically accurate. And the professor smirked and, and began to mock the, the young man as he stood. And he said, he said, so you mean to tell me, young man, that you believe that, there, that Jonah was swallowed by a fish, was in there for three days, spit up on shore, and lived to tell about it. And the young man says, yes, professor, I absolutely do. And he said, he said how is that even possible? And the young man said, well, when I get to heaven, I'll ask him. <laughs> the professor said, but what if Jonah's not in heaven? And he said, well, then you can ask him, Professor. Mama packed a lunch. <laughs> Your legacy starts by what you pack in the lunch and continues by leading them to the altar. And we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. Did you ever wonder why 5,000 people and only one brought a lunch? Doesn't that seem weird? I heard a preacher say once that maybe more people brought lunch, but in the heat of the day, as we look at Scripture, oftentimes the meal was bread and fish. So maybe as the heat of the day came, I can only imagine. It's not like they had coolers. They didn't have, like, Yeti coolers or anything. (laughs) So I can only imagine that the fish got a little funky as the day progressed, right? So probably more people brought a lunch, but many of them just tossed it aside. They thought, you know what? This is getting a little... A little ripe, so I'm going to get rid of this. So now the day now the day progresses, and and everybody's getting hungry. This little boy didn't throw his lunch away, and I can only imagine that probably mama before he left said, "Don't you dare throw this lunch away." How many of you have that mom, right? Not going against that mom. So he held on to his lunch, and she packed something good, and because she did, Jesus was able to do something miraculous Why don't you bring me that basket for me I want to talk for just a moment about this because I think that for many of us what we need to understand is that we as parents have been put in a position where God has told us it is your job to pour into your child it is your job to decide what goes into them and what's important So as we look at this lunch, what we need to understand when we're packing a lunch for our child, we need to be be precise and we need to do it with purpose. So when we talk about God's word, we need to understand that, that God's word is so important that our children understand the reality and the truth of what this is. Now you can say, hey, you know what, Jason, that's why I bring my child to kids church. That's why I bring my child to youth group. Can I tell you, if the only time that they are in the Word is while they're in this building, it's not enough. Yeah. So mom, dad, you got to pack a lunch. So you got to put his, his Word into there so that when they, when they leave your home, they, they carry it with them. For many of us, what we need to understand, and this is a hard one because we've moved away from it, but we need to start packing conviction inside of our children. Now, that's not, a, that's not a fun word, but it's an important word because if our children will know God's word and know how to work out of conviction, it will, it will be a game changer for them. So we need to pack conviction into their lunch. But for many of us, there's a lot of other things that we want to get into the, into, the ba- into the lunch basket with them. For many of us, entertainment is super important to us. And so our, our children, we want, we want them to be entertained. We want them to, to have their, their iPad and their, their stuff and Netflix, and, and they got all the stuff that they need. And, and so it's important that they, that they don't feel left out. And so we got to try and get that in there. And that's not really going to work very well, but let's just leave that for a second. And for many of us, maybe it's our political views. Let's take the entertainment out for a minute. Because um, this is really important, right? Like I, they got to they gotta vote. They got to vote the way I vote. So, in, in fact... Uh, I'm going to leave conviction because I want them to be convicted about what they vote. So I'm going to take the word out, and I'm going to put the political views in there instead. We're setting them up for failure. Because the thing is, is when we take God's word out, there's no foundation. We've taken the foundation away from them. Now, for, for, there's other things that we can pack in here. And some of it, you know, sports, that's, that's super important. All right, man, my kid better be raised to vote for the team that I like. And uh, they better know, you know, whatever. And so we've got to get that in there. And some things that we pack in the lunch, it's inadvertent. So some of us maybe have anger issues, and our kids see it. And so we, 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 they leave the house with a lunch that's packed, but it's actually not packed the way that God would. Cause, can I tell you? What you, what you put in the basket is going to multiply. Like what you pack in the lunch, that's what multiplies. So if we, if we got anger in there, if you got anger issues and you can't control yourself in front of your children, it's going to multiply with them. If you act as though entertainment is most important or sports are more important, it's going to multiply with your children. It's only going to get bigger if your political views are the most important thing to you, it's only going to multiply. Can I tell you, if your hope is in a politician, you're going to lose. Because it doesn't matter if they're red or blue, they're still people and they're flawed. So we've got to pack the lunch properly. We've got to understand that God has called us as parents to pack their lunch and point them to Jesus. God's looking for some people to hold on to what other people are throwing away. We live in a society right now that says, this is old-fashioned. We don't, you know, I don't want to set my kids up to, to be like living by this because, because now they're, now we're, we're, more, we're more progressive, more, we're, we're woke now. Do we believe this to be true? Is it timeless? Is God the same yesterday, today, and forever? So he wrote the book and he saw all the way into 2021. Like he didn't, he's not like surprised. Oh man, we should edit that a little bit because it's not woke enough. See, then we start removing stuff. This isn't convenient. This is hard. This, This doesn't feel right. People will be turned off by it. So let's just start moving stuff out of here. God knew what he was doing when he wrote the book. And he said to us as believers believe it, follow it. It sets you up for success, it doesn't set you up for popularity. We gotta understand that's different. If you wanna be popular, then you probably aren't gonna to wanna to pack this in the lunch. But he didn't call you to be popular, he called you to be different. He called you to stand for something, he called you to walk in truth. So when we put it in here, what we need to understand is when we say, listen, To my child, I want you you to walk in God's word. I want you to work in conviction. I want you to understand that some of the things that are in this book are difficult, but if you'll pursue them, if you'll follow them, and when you fall down, if you'll get back up, then you'll lean on God and trust in him. Then all of a sudden, you set your child up for success. I jumped ahead apparently, and if you're filling in the blanks, I want to make sure they put this up on the screen. It says... It matters what you put in their lunchbox because what you put in will eventually multiply. Can I tell you to the, to the kids in the room, it's not a penalty that you're being raised in a Christian family. It's a pri- privilege. Yeah. Oh, Some of you feel like it's a penalty. But my friends' parents will let them... <laughs> If your parents are packing this in your lunch, they're setting you up to win. They're setting you up for success. They're saying that we actually do love you and care about you. I was thinking about Abraham and it's amazing to me because Abraham was an idol worshiper, but yet God saw something in him. And he chose him to be the father of a nation He called him friend of God, that his name would never die, father of the faith. Those are some pretty big titles. If you're getting business cards printed, those are some pretty neat titles to be having on your business card. If you're going to do that, go to Alpha Graphics because that's the place to go. Come on, brother. So what is the key that unlocked this favor that God had? Genesis chapter 18 verse 19. For I've chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. So God said, I've chosen him because I believe, I know that he will teach his children in what is right and what is just, and he will lead them in a way that they will follow me. So out of that, God says, even though this dude was messy at the beginning, I see in him that he is going to lead his household. Some of you sit here and you're like, "Ah, yeah, I I try, but can I tell you, if you will commit to leading your children well, if you'll commit to packing their lunch the way that you need to, then God will come alongside you and there will be blessing and there will be favor for you. Can I just tell you that I love this church because I love it almost every weekend we get to see people who are messy come into this place. They come in, and they raise their hand, and they accept Jesus into their life, and God begins to do some amazing things inside of them. And there's, then every time that that happens, there's a celebration that takes place. But I heard a preacher once say that when you save an adult, you save half of a life, but when you save a child, you save a whole life. I know many of you have adult children who have maybe walked away from God and we are, this week is going to be a week where we are going to press in and we're going to pray. Whether they're adult children or or your children, wherever they are, we're we're going to press in as a church and we're going to pray and we're going to believe that God's going to do something. But the thing is, is as they're young, we need to pack them a lunch. We need to do our best. Now, it doesn't mean that they won't walk away from it because sometimes they do. If you packed them a lunch and you pointed them to Jesus, you did what you could do. And if they choose to walk away, then we need to look at what's next. We've got to come to a place where we trust God with our children. Abraham passed the hardest test in Scripture when he brought his son Isaac to the top of the mountain. When you don't understand but you trust God enough to still lay your child on the altar. Now I know you fear me," said God. I can't even imagine that. Can you I I can't even comprehend. Abraham knows, okay, I'm bringing him up because God's asked me to sacrifice him. So he he loads up the wood and the supplies that he's going to need and Isaac is carrying the supplies for the altar. And all the while he's asking, Hey dad, where, where where's the sacrifice? What are we doing? Shouldn't we be bringing something? And Abraham has to walk in front of his son while he's listening to these questions, knowing what God has asked him to do. He gets them, gets him to the place where now they're at the top of the mountain and Isaac is helping build the altar, put things in place, get it ready for the sacrifice, all the while still questioning, God, or Abraham, where, dad, Where are we doing? Where, what are we gonna sacrifice? And Abraham just keeps building and keeps building and eventually he ties his son up and lays him on the altar. And he says, I trust you, God. I trust you. This is a man who's waited forever to have a child, and now he's being asked, lay him on the altar because you trust me. For some of you, you need to hear this today because you maybe even did pack the lunch. Maybe you did point him to Jesus, but today they're not there. They're not following, and now you go, now what, God? Over this week, my challenge to you is that you need to take some time, and you need to to release and lay them on the altar because God is faithful. God loves your child. See, a lot of times when we, as parents, we think, well, you know, I I go to church every weekend and my child comes to church with me every weekend and so they're fine. But can I tell you that God only has children, he doesn't have grandchildren. He doesn't have grandchildren. You don't get in because mom and dad did it right. You get in because you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Our children must climb the mountain, but as parents, we need to guide them. Abraham didn't send Isaac up and give him the instructions on how to build the altar and then tell him to lay on it. He didn't send the youth director up with him. He didn't take the kid's director and say, hey, will you take my son up to the altar? He led his child to the altar. See, God did this by example for us. He showed us what it is to lay his son down. Was it what he wanted? No, but it was what we needed, absolutely. We need to allow our children to climb behind us. Abraham didn't carry him. Isaac carried stuff up. Some of your children have so much baggage right now. And I'm telling you, when you lay them on the altar, God will set them free. Maybe dads, you need to lay down the dreams that you have for your child. That they'll be a professional athlete or whatever. And you need to build an altar. Abraham could have said, I've been without a child for decades and now I have a son and I have great plans for him. So no, God, I'm not gonna do this. I'm not going to. I, you promised me that I could have a child and now I have one and now you're asking me to give him up. So no, I'm not going to do that because I tell you, in that moment, God saw his heart. In that moment, God knew you trust me. God made Abraham the father of nations because he was willing to set aside his own agenda and trust God with his most valued possession. I know that some of you have kids who are grown, or even if they're not grown, but they're not serving him. So today I've asked Pastor Angela to come, and she's going to share a little bit of her story and the story with her kids. We you come on up? Hi, River
1: family. For those of you that don't know my family, my husband Jason and I have been married for about 25 years this July. We have two children. Our oldest daughter Brianna will be 23 next week and our son Coles is 19. And we've been attending River for a little over 10 years now and seven of those we have been in some capacity of leadership here. And because of that and my upbringing, um, what we went through, nobody really knew. There were very few people in this church that knew what our family was walking through at the time. And we thought with our children that we were packing the lunch. Thanks for the illustration there. Um, We were bringing them to church. We were very active in ministry. We were active in everything going on here at church. We were surrounding them. With good godly people, and we were raising them in our mind to follow God. Um, about a year and a half after we started coming here to River, our daughter Brianna started her freshman year of high school. And for most kids at this time, it is a time of excitement of a new adventure. I finally made it to a big, cool high school! Yay! For our daughter, it was not that. Um, the transition led down this road of anxiety and depression and fear and her first week at school she was calling us crying having panic attacks and we didn't know what was going on and over the next four years we went through three counselors and six different medications and her senior years things started to level out a little bit and then her senior year um, Brianna's boyfriend committed suicide and this was the tipping point for her Um, she started down a road and making bad choices and kind of seeking attention in unhealthy ways she had given up on God because in her mind God had given up on her in the middle of this journey we still had our son and we didn't know it at the time but he was feeling very neglected and very left out because mom and dad was had to focus so much on what was going on with his sister he became angry Um, and his sophomore year of high school his grades just took a turn for the worse Um, he had been a pretty good student up to then Um, he hated going to church he started hanging out with the wrong kind of friends he even um, went down this road of uh, drinking, skipping school and even showed up at school once drunk and got suspended for it. And we really didn't know what was going on. And this was a huge, drastic change for us. From the year before, Coles went to a youth retreat here with Frontline Youth and got baptized in the Holy Spirit. He started speaking in tongues, and he was a kid that was taking his Bible every day to school. And for me, I like to be in control of things. And I went into controlling mom mode. I was going to do whatever it took to fix my kids. And neither of our kids were following the Lord at that time. They were mad at us when we would make them come to church. And we really didn't know what to do. I was felt hopeless. I was lost. I felt the shame as a mother that I couldn't do the best for my children to raise them to follow God. In 2015, this movie called The War Room came out. Have Any of you seen it? If you have not seen it, you should go back and watch it. It's about a woman who befriends um, an elderly, godly woman that teaches her how to go to battle for her family that was struggling. Her marriage was on the brink, and she taught her how to build a war room at the prayer closet and go to battle for her family. And I kind of, I went and saw it with some friends of mine, and I was driving home, and I thought, oh, that would be really cool to have a war room because I feel like I'm in the middle of a war right now. And I kind of pushed it out of my mind, and um, we went on to our day-to-day, walking on eggshells most of the time around our kids. At that time, Brianna was almost an adult and reminded us constantly that she was almost an adult and she was going to be making her own choices. (laughs) And Coles, when he was home, would hardly come out of his room. And I remember one night... Shortly after we had gotten into this part of the auditorium, I was right here at this altar and praying and going, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with my children. And I heard him speak to me and say, Didn't I ask you to create a space where you could block out the world and lean into me? And I remember going to my husband and I said, You know that little closet under the stairs? I'm going to turn it into a prayer closet. And I have an amazing husband. He was just like, what do we need to do? So by the end of the weekend, with a gallon of paint and stuff that we had gathered from around the house, I had a prayer closet, and I was so excited the next morning. I got up early, got my Bible, and I marched down the stairs, and I was determined that I was going to spend some one-on-one time with God. I sat there on my little cushion. And I'm like, God, I'm ready. And I started praying, and honestly... I was just going through the motions. I was just praying my regular everyday prayers, God bless my children, you know. And I heard God in this moment of me sitting there, and he says to me, do you trust me? And I was, I was offended. I was like, what? I'm like, yeah, I trust you. God, of course, you know everything. You're all knowing. And then he says to me, How about with your children? At this, I was so overwhelmed with emotion. And I just sat there and I heard deep down in the depths of my spirit, God tell me, you are their mother, but you will never love them as much as I do. Even saying that now, I get choked up. (laughs) Um, And I honestly just lost it. And I fell on the floor and I I curled up in a ball and I bawled my eyes out that first morning in my prayer closet. Surrendering my children was the hardest thing I have ever had to do. I had to hold them with open hands in front of God and say, They're yours. My children were in the middle of a spiritual battle. And I realized that I was not utilizing the greatest weapon that God has given us to fight for our families. And that's the power of prayer. Our children are under constant attack from this world and from an enemy that wants them to not succeed and wants them not to follow Jesus. We can do what I did. I put on a brave face and acted like everything was okay. I put up walls and I shut everyone out. Or we can go to war for our children. I had to learn to bring my children before the lord because our children are under constant attack we need to be in constant prayer prayer is the tool that brings down the power of heaven into our situations a lot of times as parents we focus on the physical and the visible issues with our children are they hurt are they safe who are they with what are they listening to but we ignore the spiritual and the visible attacks on our children. I'm in here to tell you that victory in these spiritual battles is inseparable from prayer. It is our greatest tool. It was the power of prayer, fervent prayer, of Hannah that allowed her to bore Samuel, who became one of the greatest prophets and judges of the nation of Israel. It was fasting and prayer that brought about from Nehemiah, the ability for him to go in and rebuild Jerusalem. It was prayer and praise of Paul and Silas—sorry, Peter and Silas that brought down the walls of a prison. And I'd love to stand here and tell you that after that first morning in my prayer closet, my kids were changed. That they all saw the light and they came back to the Lord That didn't happen. It wasn't days. It wasn't weeks. It wasn't even months. It was years later. It was years of prayer, years of tears, and years of surrendering them to the Lord. Through this period, my husband and I had this saying. Every time our kids would make a bad decision that they're building their testimonies. <laughs> and I'm here to tell you that both my kids have amazing testimonies. <laughs> it is unbelievable. But I'm also very happy to say that both my children are back on track. Yeah. The anxiety and depression that my daughter walked through, she wants to pour into others that are dealing with that and help to guide them through that. My son who was a a child, a youth that was out of control we felt sometimes. He feels called to be a youth pastor now. We need to remember that God loves our children more than we do. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful and he has a plan for everything that they're walking through. But we need to be persistent in our prayers. We need to let the Holy Spirit do his job. Thanks.. Thank
0: you. Well, I had the privilege of spending some time with Coles, their son. We went to the Dream Center, and it was at a time where he was not serving the Lord, and um, Jason was going to come down and help lead that trip, and so he just dragged Coles along, I think. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know if Coles was that excited about the trip, um, but just throughout that week, and Coles had, had uh, an opportunity where he was going to go to North Carolina and be a, a technician for NASCAR, is that, am I saying that right, is that what he was doing, and, um, and so he's going to go to school for that, and that was the plan, and halfway through that week at the Dream Center, we just watched as God was just changing him and changing him and changing him. And by the end of that trip, he was out in the parking lot making a call to that school saying, I'm not coming. I'm going to stay at the Dream Center. And uh, so he's still down in LA right now serving and uh, and just pursuing now going to go to school to be a youth pastor. Can I tell you, don't give up. I uh, I know that for some of you in the room, this is a tough message because you find yourself in the middle of that battle that Pastor Angela was talking about. And I just want to encourage you that in the middle of that, you need to bring your child to the altar. It was that moment that she talked about that she ended up curled up on the floor of her prayer closet saying, God, you are the one that can change this. See, you're not going to argue your kids back. It won't work, but you can pray them back. For all of you as parents, wherever your kids are at, maybe they're still in church, they're serving, and I, and I do appreciate that. Even in the midst of that, they, they continue to say, We're, our kids are coming with us to church. And as much as they didn't like it, right, Brianna? <laughs> <laughs> but they kept bringing them and bringing them and bringing them. And I know for some of you, you go, ah, oh, it's too hard. I don't want to argue with them. I don't want to... But can I tell you, you're packing them a lunch. You're packing them a lunch. I mean, how many of you let your kids pack their own lunch when they were little? What would that look like? It'd look a lot different than the lunch you would pack them, right? So we got to say, listen, I understand that you want the cupcakes and you want the other stuff. Chocolate milk, Jace, Whatever it is, <laughs> the plain cheeseburgers and the chocolate milk. But I'm going to put some nutrition in here for you. And then I'm going to point you to Jesus. And for many of us, that's what it's going to take. It's going to just take that and your children will serve God. They will follow. When you send them to university and they have those professors who are going to try and rip faith away from them, they're going to be able to stand and go, no, I know that that's true. But for some of you, your children will still walk away. But can I tell you, when you send them out, you can know that, listen, mama packed me a lunch and daddy led me to the altar by example. And so out of that, I'm believing that my child is gonna come out on the other side. So I wanna talk to you for just a few moments today before we close in the time of worship because I have told you that in this series, we're gonna go to battle for our kids. Now you may be sitting in the room and you may go, my kids are actually serving God right now praise God, continue to pray for them. But there are many that are sitting here. There are many within the sound of my voice. There are many that will watch this, that their children are not serving God right now. Or maybe you have a spouse that's not serving God. During this week, I'm going to challenge you to let's go to war for our family. So I want to talk to you about something that is a very important tool that many Christians overlook. And that is not only the tool of prayer, but it is the the tool of fasting. This is a biblical principle, and it is super important. I'm not going to spend a great deal of time explaining it to you, but we did just put a devotional out that will be on the the website. It's on the app. Um, For those of you who have Android phones, we apologize because the app has not been updated yet. And we're working very hard to get that up to date. All of you iPhone users, it's there. So sorry to you Android people. It's coming. <laughs> we're working on it. But either way, you'll, be, you'll have access to this devotional, and it explains a lot more about fasting than I'm going to have time to get into tonight. But I want to challenge us as a church, and if your family is doing well right now, then fast for someone else's family, if your kids are struggling, then, then, then spend time fasting for them and praying for them and believing for them. And like, like Pastor Angela said, it didn't take just a day. It wasn't just she fasted a day and then all of a sudden, boom, the kids are like, you know, I'm going to Bible school. No. But we're, we're saying, God, we believe and we're trusting you. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 5 says, do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time. So that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because your lack of self-control. So as we look at this, what I want you to understand is this week, we are going to do this as a church family. So as we start, understand that Monday nights right here, there is prayer that happens every Monday night. In this room, from 7 o'clock till 10 o'clock any of that time that you want to come out, if you can come for all three hours, great. If you can come for 20 minutes, come for 20 minutes. And let's spend some time in prayer. This week, we have Thursday night. We're going to have that, that night of worship that's going to happen in this room. And I'm believing with all my heart that as we come in and we say, God, we're not only just here to worship, we're not here, we're not here to just listen because we like the songs and we think that Seth's got some talent or whatever. He does. But that's not why we're coming on Thursday night. We're coming because we are going to do battle for our children. We're going to do battle for our family. Because as we fight for our family, God will fight for you. Amen. So, like I said, if you want more information about fasting, you can get on and read that devotional because it does give you more. But I want to just tell you this right now whatever fasting looks like for you, it can be that you fast for a day. Some of you may say, I'm going to fast for three days. I'm going to fast for the week. I'm going to fast for, you know, every lunch for this whole, this whole week, whatever it is, just pray before you do it and say, God, what will you have me do? And then in that, don't just stop eating because that's not the point. The point is we deprive our flesh so that we have more time in the spirit. So if you would, if you say, I'm not going to eat lunch, then while you're not eating lunch, spend that time praying and believing And battling, right? I've been praying about this for the last month and a half, and I I am believing that we are gonna hear story after story after story of miracles that are gonna take place. Pack them a lunch and lead them to the altar. Pack them a lunch. Make the right priorities. Some of you are like, yeah, this is important, but there's all this other stuff that's so important. Can I tell you, your children see what's important to you. You can tell them, oh, yeah, God is important, the Bible's important, but if they don't ever see you in the Bible, if they don't ever see you praying, if they don't ever hear you talking about him, they know, they see, and you're packing a lunch, that everything else is more important them a lunch. Point them to Jesus. He'll do the miracle. He'll multiply what you've packed. I want everybody to just close your eyes with me for the next few moments, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come and get ready. This evening, I just, I feel inside of me right now that this is the beginning. This is the war cry. This is us saying, this is what we're doing this week, that we are, we are going to go to battle for Family the family is under attack. Marriages are under attack. Our children are under attack. This world wants to destroy family because he knows, the enemy knows that if he can destroy the family, he can destroy the church. He can stop the move of God that is coming. So we're going to say, no, that's not going to happen. So tonight, as we spend just a little bit more time in worship, I want to just challenge you. Maybe you need to come to the altar tonight and, and lay your children here. Say, God, I'm leading them to the altar. I'm placing them here. I'm trusting you. I'm believing. I know that you are able. I know that it seems grim. I know that it seems like there's no hope. But I know that you are the God of hope. And so you can do what I can't do. So, God, I'm not going to fight anymore in my strength, but I'm bringing my kids to you. I'm bringing my spouse to you. I'm believing that you're going to do something great. Tonight, it's a war cry. We're letting the enemy know enough is enough. Enough is enough. God already won. Jesus paid the price. The victory has already been determined. So why are we giving up? Why are we assuming there's nothing else that can happen? Let's pray. Let's believe. Let's worship. Let's let the enemy hear us worship. Some of you have been beat down because it's been so hard and you feel like there's no more hope. That's a lie. The enemy's a liar. God loves your kids more than you do. Fight for them and he'll fight for them. Move towards him and he'll do the heavy lifting. There are going to be prayer teams down here. If you need prayer, they'd love to pray with you. But maybe you just need to come to the altar. Maybe you need to, maybe you need to get on your knees where you are and just say, God, I trust you. The worship team's gonna, gonna sing a blessing over our families tonight. And we're just gonna believe that we're gonna receive that blessing. And let's make this a week where we say, no holds barred. Satan, you have no authority in our children's lives anymore. Will you stand and let's war cry tonight?